0: the people in life are countless. So we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks
1: and sidequests. Side sidequests and sidequests. and sidequests. Side side side
0: Episode 99. Shahrazad and Sprocket. Mother and Son. Welcome to Sidekicks and Side Quests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Crenwogi, the bardic paladin, and I'll be joining Max Chiquino's table in the Levitating Platter. Mm-hmm. Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, still the best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion. Before I introduce my guests, I'd like to go ahead and give a shout out to my first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicenda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He's got beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can Apply it to your face and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this entire brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects including Repugnant, Eye Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Negula, and Brandstanding. If you support Plus One EXP either by buying something on their website or going to tonyplusone.itch.io, It'll help funnel into the Plus One Ford program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So, I would highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and even their Discord server, in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these other amazing indie TTRPGs. And if you don't mind... When you go on over to plus1exp.com and you see that affiliate code box, type in Randolph when you're buying a Beard bomb or Beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code is Randolph at checkout on the website plusonexp.com. All right. Well, I have another wonderful returning guest from the back catalog from the early episodes, Season 1. And uh, without further ado, I turn the microphone over and ask, Hello, returning contestant. How are you doing today? Would you care to remind us in the audience, uh, maybe they're new joining the podcast, but who are you and what is it that you do?
1: Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Max Chiquino. I am a audio engineer and uh, avid tabletop role player based out of uh, Hudson County, New Jersey, right outside New York City.
0: Yeah, and I think I was looking on social media. Are you in a new band or something recently since the last time we talked?
1: Not a new band. I just got done doing a a one-off performance uh, where myself and a bunch of my friends played the entire soundtrack to the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World.
0: Oh, wow. How did that go?
1: It was so much fun. It was something that we had been working on, myself and the bass player Crow. Mm -hmm. We had been... Wanting to do it for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm somebody who will go, yeah, we should do a thing. And then months and months and months go by without any progress. Mm -hmm. And then they just came and said, so let's start working on the tunes. I've got people in mind to put the band together. Let's go. We rehearsed for about eight months. Wow. Yeah. And we just did the performance on February 11th uh, of 2023. And it was... Fantastic! People came out in cosplay from the movie, which I did. I wasn't expecting, and just blew my <laughs> mind. It far exceeded my expectations for the night.
0: Is there a recording of this? Is there somewhere online where we can find this
1: performance? I think maybe the venue sometimes records performances there, but I ha- as of right now, I have little clips that, like little, just like ten or twelve second clips from everything but i am currently working on getting a recording if one exists but uh it was intended as a one-off but Mm. everyone in the band was so enthusiastic and thought it was so much fun that we're definitely going to try and do it again sooner rather than later before we forget how to play all the songs
0: oh yeah there we go yeah i was gonna say you uh you take it on the road kind of like some of these uh grand symphonic tours across the united states and they're like ah we're doing the orchestral soundtrack to Final Fantasy 7, and then everyone's like, oh my gosh, I have to go see it, or something like that.
1: I actually just not too long ago saw at Radio City Music Hall a something like 200 piece orchestra and choir perform all of uh, Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring.
0: Ooh, that must have been epic.
1: Oh, it was wonderful, because they had a giant wide projector screen behind them, mm-hmm. so... You watched the movie with subtitles and all the music taken out, but all the dialogue and all the sound effects and all that was still there. But all of the music was done live by a gigantic orchestra. That's awesome.
0: And uh, I definitely want to circle back to the fact that you, you know, explain to our audience, uh, you know, those returning or those that are new, that you're an audio engineer. And so I know uh, when we did your original interview, you were telling me about a number of different artists and books that you've had the opportunity to work with. And so I was just curious if you happen to have worked on any new interesting audio books or podcasts that maybe we out here in uh, the Commonwealth, the Levitating Platter general podcast land have uh, maybe possibly heard recently
1: who uh we do a lot we did some of the production on bob dylan's uh book that he just released oh, uh, wow a, a few months ago okay we also pretty much every stephen king novel comes through our facility in some fashion whether us producing it uh, or us doing more end of process quality control but mm-hmm. we have basically every Stephen King come through and in terms of big stuff, that's the Bob Dylan one was good. And we did the uh, memoir from uh, what was, I forget the show she was on. Was
0: she on iCarly?
1: Yes. Ah. Yeah. She was on one of the girls on iCarly and talking, you know, going through her, you know, life experiences. It has one of the most evocative titles. You know, they really went all out. The title of the book is I'm glad my mom died.
0: Oh yeah, I think I remember seeing those uh, rounds being made on the internet with the mm-hmm. uh, provocative title. So okay, so she recorded like the audiobook version uh, with your studio.
1: No, she recorded the audiobook. Oh, and uh, you just didn't work elsewhere. On oh. Yeah. And then they sent us the audio later to work on.
0: Oh, okay. Very cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're, uh, you're continuing on with all that uh, great work and everything like that. Hopefully maybe one of these days, someone will pitch you the opportunity to be like, Hey, we need you to edit the next big thing. I know as far as like the critical role uh, animated show is now a thing so they're like mm-hmm. here you should edit this or they're like oh we're gonna do uh like another podcast thing and you'll get to do that or uh, some of the uh, McElroy boys stuff or then you know not another D D podcast or maybe one of these other big uh productions or even the new one that i think just launched worlds beyond number i think is a uh, another big one that you know they may do all that kind of stuff out in la but
1: you know you never know yeah and even when stuff is recorded elsewhere mm-hmm. It's often sent to us because all the big book publishers are based in New York City. Mm -hmm. We do work for Penguin Random House, who published the Critical Role novel that just came out, Kith and Ken. I don't believe we worked on it at all, but it's all luck of the draw what different publishers send us because they'll usually work with multiple post-production houses like I work for.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, good to hear. Yeah, and so uh, going through our questions, as we are recapitulating them since you're a returning guest, have you been able to play any D&D? Have you been able to try out any other uh, TTRPG systems since the last time we spoke back in Season 1?
1: I actually have since we last talked, or maybe uh, we might have actually... Had already started by the time we last talked, I don't remember, but um, mm-hmm. I'm currently uh, a player in a Curse of Strahd campaign. Okay. I am playing a uh, Dwarven uh, Wizard with War Magic domain uh, subclass. Mm-hmm. And In terms of other RPGs, I've been playing a few, actually. Uh, since we last talked, I did a short three-shot of the RPG One Last Job, Okay. which is a uh, RPG written by... Uh, I think it's like Damien Hollett or something. Okay, but it's a heist-based RPG system where it's a bunch of old criminals oh. who find, you know, who come back together for one last heist job.
0: Oh, okay, that's pretty cool.
1: That has a really fun character creation mechanic where your character is determined by another player.
0: Oh, interesting. So
1: what'll happen is someone will be like, oh, I'm the mastermind. My job is to putting everything together and what we need for this job, we need a fantastic driver. And then they'll go like, Max, Max, you're the driver. Oh. And then it round tables okay. around like that until you have a full crew. That was a fantastically fun thing. Very loose, very short RPG system. It might even be a one-page RPG. Oh, cool. And besides that... A lot of my RPG running energy has been in a uh, Vampire the Masquerade campaign that I've been running, which okay. if you're not familiar with Vampire the Masquerade, it's uh, it's been around for a long time. It's on its fifth edition now, but it came out in like 1990, 1991. Mm-hmm. And the concept is it takes place in the modern day real world or an analog of the modern day real world mm-hmm. called the World of Darkness, where vampires and werewolves and ghosts and mages and all those things kind of exist, but in secret. Okay. And a lot of the gameplay around it Mm -hmm. is based on working within the social structures of these vampiric societies. There are factions that are constantly at odds with each other. And even within the same faction, people are always vying for control. And Everyone in the campaign plays vampires, and what's great is that it's my favorite style of play in RPGs, which are city-based campaigns.
0: Oh, okay. Does it take place in your native uh, New York, New Jersey sort of kind of area?
1: It does, yeah. So all of my players and I are from the Jersey City, New Jersey area. Okay. So what's great is that you can take your city, and that is the setting for your campaign, And now everyone already knows all the locations, you can reference places and people that everybody knows, Mm -hmm. and you can do it for any city. What's wonderful is that you already have a built-in map of the city, because it just exists. And you can just say, yeah, so you go to Cross Street, Mm -hmm. and, you know, your home base is right here. Mm. So that's one of my big... uh, tools as a gm for that campaign is a map of jersey city
0: cool awesome and uh you know of course being on sidekicks and quests, we like to ask the question of what's been a new favorite npc or sidekick character that you've run across in these years since we've last spoken and why is this character stuck out to you
1: one of my favorites that i've come up with is um in our vampire game mm-hmm Every city kind of has a leader who's in charge in some way uh, or another, and maybe people like the leader. Sometimes they don't. For my campaign, most people don't like the leader. The leader is a guy named uh, Grayson Malford, Mm. who is kind of a former punk rocker who Mm. then started a record label in the 80s and has grown it to this big musical empire.
0: Oh, okay. So he sold out.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Within the lore of Vampire, there are different clans, and each clan has its own kind of ethos and kind of personality traits. Its members all kind of exhibit. Mm -hmm. So one of them is the Bruja, which are always the rebels, the iconoclasts, the revolutionaries, the people who hate authority Mm -hmm. and hate the power structure and always fight against the power structure. So the concept for Malford is that he is ostensibly a bruja, but he sold out, and he now runs the city more like an authority figure than as a rebel, mm. and that has caused a lot of tension. Okay. So his big personality quirk that he has is that he'll call the party in to his office to give them quests, and every time he has- like, when they're approaching, they can hear just- Obnoxiously loud punk music coming from his office. Mm-hmm. And I've actually like set up on my computer that I'll, I'll actually play loud punk music when they walk in. So we have to like talk over the music for a couple seconds before I shut it off. Oh. At <laughs> uh, a little immersion. And at one point, one of the players went viral on Reddit mm-hmm. for tackling a police officer. Mm. And it went viral. So now everyone is seeing this woman do kind of pseudo-super strength, Mm -hmm. and that is a big problem. That is a big problem to the secret that vampires exist. Sure. Malford calls the whole party into his office, and for the first time, there is no music playing. Ooh. And everyone just immediately realizes the gravity of the situation Mm -hmm. and walk in. And I couldn't have planned it better where they felt like they were walking into the principal's office, and that is the exact (laughs) vibe I wanted to get, and everyone fell into it perfectly. Mm -hmm. So Malford is one of my favorite characters because he does things that a lot of people hate, Mm. but I know what his motivations are behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. and he's a more complicated character than the player's, kind of realize Mm -hmm. he is doing the not so popular thing Mm -hmm. but maybe it's for a good reason that maybe if you knew you would kind of see it but it would still be like i don't like you did that i get why you did it but i still don't like that you did it so he's one of my favorite characters that i've come up with recently
0: awesome and same thing with side quest has there been a new or interesting side quest whether from game rpg Movie, film, television, et cetera, that you've come across and that's uh, stuck out to you in recent memory.
1: Recently, going back to the vampire campaign I'm running, Mm -hmm. I did a very fun side quest. So one of the advantages of a city-based campaign is that there isn't really a hardline code of never split the party. Mm Mm-hmm because you're in a city, you're all kind of sometimes you're doing stuff together and then sometimes you're doing stuff by yourself. Mm-hmm. So, and it makes sense that if someone can't make it to a session, you don't have to explain why, you know, in the middle of this dungeon, all of a sudden Jerry's not here. Mm. You know, so one of my players who plays a corporate real estate, you know, he works for blue rock the analog of black rock in Mm. the real world okay and he couldn't come to a session the player couldn't come to a session so i did a makeup session with him where the reason you weren't at this session is because your boss who is also a vampire sent you to milan italy Mm. to go facilitate a corporate partnership between blue rock and this other company based in milan Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, you're going to Milan and it is also during fashion week. So I had this kind of the first part of each night is him going through basically this gauntlet of corporate challenges where he has to use his skills to kind of advance the agenda of the corporation he's trying to partner with. And then after Mm -hmm. that is done, he meets this other vampire who her whole motivation is she likes to tempt other people and tempt vampires into choosing to do horrible things. Mm. She's all about kind of like, what are your convictions? What are virtues that you find important? And let's see if I can convince you to go against that. Mm. So I kind of built this dual story structure where he's climbing a corporate ladder in one part of the night and then he's descending a ladder into depravity in the second part of the night Mm. until he has by the end of it he has broken all of his convictions all of the morals that even a cold-hearted corporate executive still has some morals still has some lines that he won't cross mm-hmm. and then he chooses to cross those lines just in role play like what was all important to both me as a storyteller and also important to this character Vlanya that he had met is not making him do these things but getting him to choose to do these horrible things
0: mm. wow suddenly he's like uh, a different vampire. We're not, you're not the same vampire that we once knew.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. And you know, uh, I kind of, after the side quest was over, I just gave him the role playing direction. You're still you, but you're changed by this experience. Mm. And that is what's going on in your head. Role play that, how you think your character would role play that. So His character comes back, rejoins the rest of the party. Normally, he's this confident, braggadocious guy, and he's just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. He made it very obvious to the rest of the party that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. But we joked about this was that no one else in the party ever said, hey, buddy, you want to talk about it? No one.
0: And then, of course, to round out the, uh, the catch-up section, if you will, have you come across or experienced any new passions, new hobbies, or something of that nature that you've gotten into in the interim?
1: You know, over the course of the last couple of years, um, I've gotten a lot more into mixology. Mm. Uh, so I had dabbled a little bit by the time we recorded the podcast the first time I was on, mm-hmm. but since doing that, I have... Really kind of gone down the rabbit hole and kind of learning what makes different cocktails, what flavors, you know, what are some staple flavors that might go together? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to achieve when you say a cocktail is balanced? And it's grown to the point where, like, I've made custom cocktails for my vampire game and I've made custom cocktails for other endeavors. And it's been a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Glad to hear. And I think with that wonderful answer, I believe it's time to segue into the segment called NPC creation. NPC creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience and our patrons from Patreon. Now is the time to give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, and Jablinski, and my parents, we say cheers. Again, this shout-out is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. These folks are my highest-tier patrons, the wealthy-level patrons. So that means that they are able to add an element of chance to our random tables and NPC creation, which we might get to use here today. If you want to join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there, check the show notes below. Go to my podcast website or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicksandsidequest to find out more about our three tiers, one, two, four dollars a month, and help us to expand our operations at the Levitating Platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. Uh Aha! Of course, you know, this section we like to make up NPCs on this podcast. And uh, the question is, are we going to do what you did last time and unveil uh, a character that you've already thought up? Or are you going to, you know, you're going to take a chance, maybe roll the dice and just kind of see where improv and invention and creativity take us? Or a combination of both?
1: I haven't really come up with any specific characters, mm-hmm. but I had an, a thought Okay. playing into this kind of city-based campaign that i've been doing and i love city-based campaigns because they really they give consequences to player actions okay whereas you know if you're the normal traveling murder hobo D party you know you can fight someone kill a bunch of orcs that attacked you and then just keep going but mm. in a city-based campaign you can still kill the orcs that attacked you but the orcs friends like live two blocks from you so mm. i love that idea of being in an ecosystem and being in situations where helping one person will necessitate you off a different person. So there's that choice of mm. what do you do. So my idea was to create a pair of NPCs. Oh. That were maybe connected in some way. Maybe they're twins, maybe they're romantically attached, but. Two NPCs that have opposing viewpoints, who have very opposing motivations and goals, that a D&D party would have to toe the line, you know, uh, mm. walk the tightrope between who do they want to <laughs> off and who do they not want to <laughs> off.
0: Okay, so kind of like a Hatfields and McCoys, Ash Ketchum, Gary Oak thing. So interesting. Okay, so you want a pair of characters that represent two different factions. And, you know, these particular characters could either be, like you were saying, romantically involved. They could be related, but they're on opposite sides of some sort of division. So it's a pair of characters. Then that's what we got. And everything else is going to be randomized. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Okay
0: so double the dice rolling here today. Okay so then the first question we have to ask ourselves is uh what are the names of these two characters and uh we determine this with d20s so I guess two different d20s then.
1: All right. And I got 7. Okay.
0: All right, so the first one of your characters is named Scheherazade, and that was a submission from our Patreon supporter, Ansa Jablinski. And then were you wanting to go ahead and roll a second d20 to see the name of sure. our other
1: character? Our other character's name is 16. 16,
0: all right. And then this answer was provided by previous guest Nolan Page,
1: Sprocket.
0: So we have Scheherazade and Sprocket. All right, so now we need to also determine what's the ancestry of these characters if you want to roll independently for each like maybe they're different species or if you want to roll twice and figure out what's the better of the two if they're the same if you're imagining that they're related so yeah go ahead give us some d100 rolls and let's see what we
1: get all right so first d100 roll is 31
0: okay so 31 is something that i've created for my homebrew world and they are called maw they're supposed to be like in the same family as the Gon, the rabbit folk because I was like, well, you have rabbit humanoids, so you should definitely have some of the other similar ones. Um, so this Mawwears category includes creatures called Miska, which are mouse folk. We have the Creesa, which are rat folk. We have the Hule, which are like guinea pig, capybara type people. We have the ears, which are supposed to be like beaver folk. We have the Paka, who are like mole rats or gopher folk. And then we've also got uh, Sfinari, which are like porcupine people. And then the last one are the Orava, which are like squirrel or chipmunk people. So that's the first one. And then if you want to take another roll on the uh, the D one hundred and see what we get.
1: Sure, I rolled a forty five.
0: Forty five, Gith. So obviously Gith Yankee, So of those pair, which sounds more interesting to you for Shahrazad and Sprocket?
1: Let's go for uh, let's go for some Mawir.
0: Perfect. Okay, so of those, now do you imagine that they're like the same Mawir like, uh, subgroup, or are they like different ones? Are they siblings? What are you thinking?
1: I was thinking they're familiar, fam- familiarly related.
0: So they're in a family together. Okay, so Shaherzan yeah. and Sprocket, of those kinds, what do you think sounds most accurate?
1: Uh, so that's eight, so let's roll a d8 for it. Okay three so that would be the capybara okay folk.
0: okay so the hule. okay yeah and the hule the do hule. come in uh two different flavors and so there's the morsky which are like the guinea pig like people and then the tupi are the capybara like people let's go for the tupi okay so we have a pair of tupi my homebrew creation capybara like anthropomorphic individuals named shahrazad and Sprocket. Okay, and so then, of course, our NPCs need to have jobs in society. You can roll a D10, and then that'll determine, like, what are the jobs and role in society for Sprocket and for Scheherazade. Maybe it's, like, their day job thing, or maybe what they both do if you want to pick one or the other. But, yeah, roll some D10s, and let's see what we
1: get. I got a 2 and a 3.
0: 2 and a 3. Okay, so 2 is from Elise Basili, lace Lacemaker's. And then three is from previous guest, Brady Effler, professional mourners. So of those two, what sounds more interesting? Do they each do one of each? Are they both the same thing? Or what are you thinking?
1: Maybe they're competing lacemakers.
0: Okay, interesting. Okay. Just as an aside, just to make sure that you understand maybe some of the cool abilities that these lacemakers, Scheherazade and Sprocket are able to do. These were kind of some of the notes I had written up. So typically... I would say their age ranges are up to 60 years. Any alignment, typically size, category, medium. Base walking speed, 30 feet. They have keen sense, so that means proficiency in uh, perception. Languages, common, elvish, mawyr. So the mawyrs get their own special little language. And then in particular for toopies, they also get an ability called semi-aquatic. So they do have a swimming speed of 30 feet. In addition, they can hold their breath underwater for five minutes If they're doing non-strenuous activity, if they are fighting or interacting with objects underwater, the time is reduced to half of the total time left, a minimum 30 seconds before suffocation rules apply. They have the speak with small beasts ability, and they also have a nifty thing Disease resistance. Uh, They're very hardy due to their diets. As a result, you have advantage on saving throws related to contracting disease. Uh, This also means they have resistance to poison damage. So those are the things I kind of thought up of these Tupi. So to kind of keep in mind for Scheherazade and for Sprocket. And so to move along then finally into the next randomized question... Here of what is the age range category of Scheherazade and Sprocket. D8 is the dice to roll. Maybe get some ideas of possible age ranges to work with.
1: Uh, I rolled an eight.
0: Okay, well, eight would be immortal. So do you think that's uh, applicable in this situation that they're both immortal characters? Is it because that they're secretly vampires or something like that if we're really <laughs> going hard into the vampire masquerade themes?
1: That would be fun. But maybe they're... Uh... Scheherazade is just very, very old. Okay. And maybe Sprocket is her son.
0: Okay. So that's the familial relationship then. Okay. So mother and son dynamic.
1: Yeah. Estranged. We have established they are in different factions. They are opposing forces in whatever community they happen to be in.
0: Okay. All right. So then, with all this kind of information in mind, are you. Generating that mental picture now, so if you had to describe their physical appearance to differentiate Scheherazade and Sprocket, what comes to mind when you imagine like some sort of capybara humanoid, then they're both lacemakers, one old, one young, estranged, competing, and such.
1: I'm picturing Scheherazade being very much of the way things used to be. They're both lacemakers, but Scheherazade prefers the fashion that was popular in her youth, mm. so that is, you know, something very elegant, very lots of silvers and whites, and okay, very ostentatious. Okay. whereas Sprocket, he he's a more with the times. He he always wants the new thing, so mm. his lace is more experimental, more modern styles, more. How can you we use lace in ways that no one's ever done before
0: interesting okay and so then if we're thinking about these dividing lines between the two what necessitated i guess the falling out is it really that they're like they're true blue lace makers and you know just because of their differing perspectives on fashion that's what drove them apart are they like maybe borrowing on our original NPC made on the show, Constantine Modesto. Maybe it's like some sort of a mafioso connections or something like that. Or I don't know. What are you thinking?
1: Organized crime is just such a great theme to fall back on. So maybe, maybe it's not quite organized crime. Okay. I don't want to repeat myself too
0: much
1: <laughs> or else it gets boring. Sure. But I would say that it is not just on the surface lace making. Mm-hmm. I would say that much like, uh, you know, organized crime, like Al Capone, there is always the front. There is always the legitimate business Mm -hmm. in front. So maybe the lacemakers are also behind the scenes, maybe like a smuggling operation, more like Mm. they work in textiles. Maybe they work in illegal materials. They are both trying to be the ones that people in the know go to, Mm. to get, things that you can't normally get. Okay. Maybe in the place where they find themselves, maybe certain things are banned. Maybe in, you know, if we're still in the fantasy setting, maybe things like Mithril, it has been banned for some reason or mm. something of that nature. Or maybe like this is a city where for whatever reason, magic is heavily, heavily regulated. And okay. these are the people that can get you magical clothing. Oh, And interesting. they are always trying to be the supplier of the city
0: okay and so they can get you access to magical clothing items kind of like a fencing maybe not fencing but smuggling and black market sort of a thing like they're on the public face yeah they're legitimate lace makers tailors and they're leading voices in fashion but meanwhile they're also competing in like this underground market that Adventurers, rat catchers, or whoever else—criminals that are trying to get access to magical clothing items, gloves, and boots, and pants, and belts, and all these other things that would help give them an edge. Exactly. And the hats—we can't forget the magic hats.
1: Magic hats. Hey, how to disguise? Ten out of ten magic item.
0: <laughs> and then we need to figure out what three adjectives do you think best describe Shahrazad and Sprocket?
1: Ooh, okay. Tying into Shahrazad's idea of the way things used to be, mm-hmm. you know, I would say that she is one personality trait that she has is what is the adjective form of etiquette? You know, she is proper. Yes, she is proper. Mm. She is always about this is the way things are done. So when you are in her presence, you do it the way things are done. hmm. Proper is a good word for that. Yeah. So she is proper. She is cunning Mm. because you do not expect this below the surface operation. Mm -hmm. Maybe shrewd. Shrewd is a better term than cunning for this, I think. Okay. Shrewd. Yeah. So she is shrewd and she is resolute. Mm. Once she has decided her course of action, She is nigh impossible to be dissuaded from that path.
0: And then the three adjectives for Sprocket, which sounds like, you know, maybe they're complete opposites, or maybe they're not.
1: Yeah, maybe they have one of those qualities that they share in common. They are both resolute.
0: Okay. They're both very stubborn.
1: (laughs) Yes. Sprocket gets his stubbornness from Scheherazade. Mm. But besides that, he is casual. Okay. And he is fly by the seat of your pants. He is, he is impetuous.
0: Impetuous. Casual, impetuous, and resolute. Okay. yes, Excellent. Now, of course, we need our NPCs to have cool valuables on them, whether it is an item, a piece of lore, a secret, or maybe even an ideal or concept. So this is the combo roll. So it's a D4 for the category and then the D6 for the particular thing.
1: All right. So... D4 is a 2.
0: Okay, so this is a piece of lore, and I'm imagining maybe this is more of a Scheherazade thing. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And the D6 is a 4.
0: Okay, so your answer was provided by previous guest, Patreon supporter Goblin Katie. You pick three monsters thanks to Scheherazade. You know they're stat blocks. Okay, so Ooh. maybe in her particular line of work, maybe in procuring the particular... Um, laces and silks, or whatnot, or just you know, working in the underground with these uh, illicit magic clothing items. Maybe three monsters that she knows intricately well on how to harvest them, or something like that. Maybe.
1: I already have an idea. She knows how to weave phase spider silk.
0: Ooh, okay, so phase spiders is one of the monsters. Okay, that's pretty cool. Cause yeah, then you could get into like displacer phasing mm-hmm. in and out of the ethereal plane kind of shenanigans. Okay. Any others coming to mind or are you gonna just leave them open-ended for uh, whoever's gonna use Shahrazad?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll leave the other two open, but that is uh that's a good uh first step. There we you go. You know, start thinking about what materials you could either harvest or get from a certain monster maybe it's something that a monster certain monster likes to collect acquire or some such Mm -hmm. that shahrazad knows how like knows is valuable in her more fanciful dressmaking i see her premium stock
0: ah the premium behind the counter stock i see yeah okay and then for sprocket what's his combo of the d4 d6
1: D4 and D6 number 1 for the D4. Okay,
0: so that's a valuable item.
1: Mhm. And a one again for the D6.
0: Okay, another response from our Patreon supporter Goblin Katie. Sprocket has a magnifying glass that casts legend lore once per 10 days.
1: Wow. It's a powerful item. Legend
0: lore is a 5th level divination spell and it does have a vocal somatic material Component costs: so incense worth at least 250 gold, which the spell consumes, and four ivory strips worth at least 50 gold pieces each. So this is definitely not a cheap spell to have to cast, and only bards, clerics, and wizards can do it. Name or describe a person, place, or object the spell brings to your mind a brief summary of the significant lore about the thing you named. The lore might consist of current tales, forgotten stories, or even secret lore that's never been widely known. If the thing you named isn't of legendary importance, you gain no information. The more information you already have about the thing, the more precise and detailed the information you receive is. Information you learn is accurate, but might be couched in figurative language. For example, if you have a mysterious magic axe on hand, the spell might yield this information. Woe to the evildoer whose hand touches the axe for even the haft Slices the hand of the evil ones, only a true child of stone, lover and beloved of Morden, may awaken the true powers of the axe, and only with the sacred word, Rudnog, on the lips. So, that's kind of interesting. So, a magnifying glass that can just cast the spell once every ten days. So, this is probably where his impetuous and his casual, competitive nature against his mom comes into play. So I'm curious now the story of how he got his hands on this thing. And maybe this is the thing that inspired him to kind of strike it on his own.
1: Yeah. Maybe this premium stock contraband smuggling operation has been a family business for quite some time. And Mm -hmm. before he struck out on his own, Sprocket came across this magnifying glass and being the impetuous casual person he is you know said oh does this do and then maybe he learned a secret piece of lore that kind of pull of here's something that you could chase after and then he realized that he would never be able to chase after it while he was still working for his mom
0: Mm. okay and then that's the impetus that sparked him to go into his own yeah okay very cool yeah, and so now we like to have our NPCs have a cool side quest. So this is the part where if you're trying to randomly generate it, it's a D12 role, or do you already have an idea brewing as far as Scheherazade and Sprocket together? Maybe each one's offering a side quest.
1: My thought was that they have related conflicting side quests. My Ooh. first thought is maybe Sprocket wants the PCs to retrieve something for him that would help him advance his goal. Okay. And Scheherazade knows that Sprocket is after it. So she asks the PCs, yeah, go get this thing, but destroy it.
0: Ooh, interesting. And so then it's up to whoever is going to use these particular characters, what that specific thing is. So you can invent it for your game and stuff.
1: Exactly. So yeah, create the MacGuffin that makes sense in your game. DMs who want to use this put your players in a position where they need to choose which person, which of these two NPCs they are gonna get in good with and mm-hmm. which one they're going to get on the bad side. And if you're doing this like I like I said before in a city based campaign Where maybe it's okay to split the party. Mm -hmm. Maybe have some members of the party get the quest from Scheherazade and the other half of the party get the quest from Sprocket. Mm -hmm. So when they come together, they realize, "Uh uh-oh, whose side are we going to take on this?
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So whether it's like the magic brooch or the super boots or the the grand cape or whatever it is, maybe like a critical role vestige of divergence. I was reading about Cabal's Mm -hmm. ruin or something like that. Like, oh yeah, we need you to go grab this uh, magic cape and uh, yeah, bring it to me. It'll enhance my abilities or, oh, I know you're after this magic cape. So I want you to get it, but I want you to destroy it. So that way he can't have it. So, okay, like really getting into the tension between the mother and son. So yeah, so since we have two NPCs and two different kind of a side quest to go about, what's going to be the reward? Depending on who you choose, what's going to be the reward for the players?
1: If this MacGuffin that they're sent after is a magic item, then Scheherazade might give the PCs a Maybe like a one use, like almost like a dispelling stone or something that normally, you know, normally magic items are very difficult to destroy. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a one time use thing that allows you to destroy a magic item. And if you do this for me, there's more where that came from.
0: Ooh, interesting. So she has the N on the supplier for um, anti magic kind of technologies, I suppose, if you will.
1: Exactly. And for Sprocket, Sprocket might have something that's maybe less tangibly valuable, but more intangibly valuable. Like if you do this for me, then I can then whenever you are in this other either part of the city or in if you go to a different city or maybe just anywhere in the region, mm-hmm. if you mention my name, you will have safe passage you know, from one place to another, you will have access to areas that you don't have access to because you are now connected to me.
0: Interesting. So a tap into the uh, the black market, if you will.
1: Yeah. The black market, the underworld, the game, you know, into the unseen parts of the world. And that also gives your players something more to think about, like, what is more valuable? Is this ability to take magic away, that's something that might be one use, but will become very useful in a specific moment. Sure. Or this other reward that will allow for more recurring reward that might tap into other, you know, more valuable rewards or tap into more uh, quest lines and get your players thinking about you know i always love giving my players branching choices in every campaign i do i built in these nexus points where the direction you go starting here Mm -hmm. will determine lots of other things because what you do you will take care of the things you do over here but the the directions you don't go Mm -hmm. will still happen without you Mm and then you might have to deal with them later. So I love that kind of I love making my players feel like their choices matter. Yeah. So I think having this kind of tangible versus intangible reward gives them more to think about beyond the standard I get treasure if I go here and then if I go there I get more treasure elsewhere and you know you just bounce like that. Okay. I like that theme. Uh like having this theme of what is value in this world?
0: Considering the other side of things, what's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure? So so I guess succeeding in one means failing in the other, Absolutely. or they're just refusing them both. Like <laughs> That could also totally be an option. So what are the consequences of that?
1: So depending on how far they get into this, if they accept both and then later say, nah, we're not doing it, that would have bigger consequences than if it was, here's the offer for this side quest. Okay, let give us a minute. G- give us a little bit to decide. Mm-hmm. You know, so the less committed they are before the refusal, the lower the consequences would be. If they accept either, if they accept both, and necessarily mm-hmm. only do one, hey, they could come up with some other third solution never under underestimate a player's Mm -hmm. ability to do what you don't expect uh, and come up with a solution to your impossible problem failing one i would say shaharazad failure to complete her quest because she is Mm -hmm. very proper and she believes very strongly in if you agree to do something you better do it Mm -hmm. it is the done thing sure then she would put more resources towards to retaliation.
0: Okay, so she's going to send, like, minions and hired hands and hired guns after you.
1: Yeah, on the principle of the thing. I see. Whereas Sprocket, his would be less, you have slighted me, so I'm going after you. And Mm -hmm. he might say, okay, now I'm because you didn't want to be associated with, you didn't want my reward of being associated with me in the underworld. Now I'm going to cut you off from the underworld. Mm -hmm. So now he does the opposite. Mm. He spreads the word and says, if these people come in here, you don't talk to them.
0: Yeah. And so then, you know, like you were saying, don't underestimate a player's ability to, um, you know, think of a third solution. So I'm just wondering with those consequences in mind, I wonder how, you know, each you know, Scheherazade and Sprocket will react to those consequences, I suppose. So like Sprocket says you're cut off, but I wonder if that means that Scheherazade would still be like, no, 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 under my thing, you can still come in because you're good. Or say like, you know, Scheherazade's like, I've put the hit out on them. I want them, you know, be made an example of, but then Sprocket spending resources to be like, you know, suddenly someone else springs out of the shadows and now Like, oh, suddenly NPCs are fighting other NPCs. So I guess kind of depending on like, you know, how involved you want to pull the characters into this feud that's going on, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And I think based on the characters that we have built with Scheherazade and Sprocket, they are definitely people that would take their wrath from the other person as an opportunity to bring them into their side. So I agree with you 100%. I think that's a great idea that if Scheherazade puts the hit out, then Sprocket is like, oh, I see you have a a problem with people attacking you all the time. What if I can get you out of the city without getting attacked? Or what if I can make sure that when you're within my territory, no one can touch Mm -hmm. you? And then on the flip side... You know, if you're cut off from Sprocket's network, then Scheherazade can come in and it's like, it's okay, dearies, come come be with Mama Scheherazade. And then (laughs) what if I gave you something else? What if I said, oh, here's, they don't want to, these people will, that are under Sprocket's uh, employ won't go near you, but maybe here's a magic item that would grease the wheels a bit. Mm. Maybe it's like she gives more tangible, like it's a theme that she gives more tangible rewards than Sprocket gives, where she might say, here's a ring of charm person or something like that, or eyes of Mm. charming that would help you out in that situation temporarily.
0: Well, now that we've learned so much about mother and son, I think it's time we head into a segment called The Random Encounter. This random encounter is brought to you by fill in the blank. Wait a minute. What? Is that, is that correct? Is that right here? Well, yeah, sort of, actually. Um, so, unfortunately, with the passing of Ed over at Reaper Miniatures, for the time being, the sponsorship program with Reaper Miniatures is being put on hiatus, which is fine. They said that my link would still work if you want to use it on my older episodes, but otherwise, um, it won't do anything else special. Still, I want to encourage you all to support Reaper Miniatures, show them your love and support in their time of need. So what does this mean for this particular ad break section of the show before we get to do a little role playing vignette? Well, I guess that means if you out there in the levitating platter have something you'd like to plug and you've got an affiliate program or an advertising budget, which you have some money to use to pay me with, well, then I'm happy to take a look at your proposals and see what kind of partnership we can form. As you know, this podcast is a labor of love, and thanks to some very awesome and very kind patrons, I can continue to keep the ever-burning torches on, as well as have a normal social life away from the podcast without it consuming my every waking hour. I'm very blessed and very thankful. I would prefer if you email me details of your projects and Kickstarters and whatever else at my email address, sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. I know you can reach me on various social media platforms, which you can give me the basic details there. However, I will ask you, please send me an email because I won't agree to do anything unless it's ethereally emailed to me, and we're conducting a correspondence in that manner. So again, with all of that out of the way, I hope to hear from some rich noblewoman or eccentric lord soon. Now, on with the show. Yeah. Yeah. So of course you remember this is the part of the show where we like to do a roleplay vignette scenario, so... Based on these two characters that we have before us, I'm wondering if the random encounter is supposed to be maybe between Scheherazade and Sprocket, since there's two of us. Because obviously with, like you were talking about, like branching trees and then this whole being a whole city thing, I I feel like in a random encounter it could get very complicated trying to figure out, like, Okay, he, it's a lot of, like, narrating of, like, okay, well, this person goes here to talk to this person, so I'm just wondering, you know, if you'll allow it. Maybe it's, like, a, a confrontation or something like that, a meeting or something. Maybe it's after discovering the magnifying glass or something like that between mother and son or something like that.
1: Sure. How about we say it is after Sprocket has left uh, Scheherazade's employ, is starting to become an upstart Competitor to Scheherazade.
0: Okay, and so then it's like, you know, in daylight, professionally, the two of them meeting, like maybe mom's coming to visit the son's store to like see what's going on and, and stuff like that kind of a thing.
1: Sure thing. Do you want to be Scheherazade or do you want to be Sprocket?
0: <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. I'm I'm game for either. Uh, did you have a particular character that you were more interested in portraying?
1: Hmm. I'll be Scheherazade.
0: This is sprocket shop it looks nouveau uh you know so it's like lace and it's all this fashion and stuff but it's not done properly like how it used to be so on this side of the city it's like you know the up and coming um so it's like everything's new and fresh and being invented and stuff like that and so um sprocket is taking this opportunity to really strike it out on his own and uh when Shahrazad enters the shop she'll see that sprocket's making a big deal out of kind of like berating some employees just trying to be like no 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 that's not where it goes no it needs to be right there it needs to be in this light because if you don't understand and so he's like going into this whole rigmarole thing about like how things should be appearing and stuff like that and then he turns and looks and sees it's his mother and then he kind of shifts his tone a little bit and he goes well that will be all thank you very much you can go about and so then he'll say hello mother uh yes well how are you doing this fine day this place is filthy. Mm. He kind of like glares you know, a little bit, narrows his eyes as he's looking around and this place is spotless. So he knows this is like some kind of needling under his skin a little bit. And he'll say, hmm, well, hmm, uh, hmm. And he'll like turn and look and he'll see like, uh, you know, someone who's like doing a great job of cl- keeping the place clean right now. He'll kind of like snap his fingers and be like, I want this space spotless. And then uh, he'll uh, start retreating a little bit back as he like goes to like a back curtain to lead to a more private room as if to like, cause he knows like, Oh, proper business and stuff like that. Mom wants to not yell in the middle of the store. She wants to take care of things behind closed doors or something like that in privacy. And so he'll open the curtain and he stands there and he like, you know, he still loves his mom in some place in his heart. And so he just kind of extends his hand open. Like, here you go. I know you want to talk. So let's go talk here.
1: Thank you. I'm glad some of my lessons have stuck, Mm. even in my absence. Mm.
0: And so, uh, yeah, so then they enter the back room. Any other employees that were uh, kind of like resting here and not doing something, Sprocket just kind of barks at him to like, you know, go take a break. You know, go mind the store in the front. We need some privacy because he knows his mom is old. So he's going to like, you know, pull a chair aside for her. And then maybe there's like a a thing of tea or something he keeps back here. You know, something from his childhood about always having to drink tea and stuff like that. And so he gets out the cup and he like does the whole thing that she taught him of like of growing up of what he needs to do and how things properly need to be done and stuff like that. And so he's like, I was wondering when you were going to come and visit me and see my success. You should see all the people walking about wearing my latest fashion.
1: I have.
0: Hmm. Yes. And and what do you think?
1: It is a trend. It'll pass. The classics never die, Sprocket.
0: Mm. Yes, but but there's change. There's, there's invention. There's reinvention. There's recapitulation. There's all of it. And we can do it with fashion.
1: Well, maybe. Hmm. But I'm here to talk business. Okay, so he'll
0: sit down and uh, listen to what his mom says politely.
1: So... I noticed that some of my supplies, some of my premium materials, never made it to my shop. And instead, I see them being worn around town.
0: Mm. He doesn't say anything. He'll keep drinking his own tea and look at his mom and let her talk.
1: So, is this how your business is going to be run? Do you intend to continue to be a direct competitor to my shop?
0: Well, mother, you taught me the way to do business. You taught me the proper thing. But to make it further than you ever will, I've had to employ new methods. Yes, I have to keep up with the demands, don't you see? So, yes, I will Continue to do business as I see fit.
1: I taught you those things so that you could succeed me. You could take over the family business.
0: Mm. yes well, I had other grander ambitions in mind. Um, you'll see he uh, very surreptitiously like pats uh, like a vest pocket as if he's like um, you know feeling for the magnifying glass in particular as he's saying those words with bravado.
1: Pity. Well, son. Mother. If that is how it will be, then I will not grace you with any mercy.
0: And you see, kind of smiles, and he'll say, Well, I certainly invite you to try. Shall I come round next evening for family dinner, then?
1: If you dare. (laughs) Yes, I think I will. (laughs)
0: All right. And scene. So there we go. Yeah. So what would you think of uh, Scheherazade and Sprocket?
1: I love that. Like, I love the tension. That's something that most people can relate to is family drama and and this dynamic of a parent wanted their child to be, you know, just a newer version of them, but they didn't want to. You know, the the rebellion against your parents. And I think that's something that people can relate to. Yeah. So and then when it gets taken to the extreme of okay now we're actively going to be in a kind of cold war with each other while so we're always vying against each other for these shared but separate goals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only natural that you would bring in some unsuspecting adventurers to lob the next cannonball.
0: There we go. Yeah. So it's great to have you back on the show and to uh, you know see how life has been going and to have this opportunity to make these two characters. So as we're starting to get into final thoughts, how do you think the show has been if you've uh, had the chance to listen since your episode? And uh, do you think you're going to be deploying Scheherazade and Sprocket anytime soon?
1: Oh, yeah. Like if not Scheherazade and Sprocket themselves, then... Some other analog of them that fits within, uh, whatever I happen to be running. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this was great. I confess I have not had a chance <laughs> to listen to your podcast. I haven't listened to many podcasts since cause I don't really have a commute anymore. I've been working from home mm-hmm. since the pandemic started. So like the amount of podcasts I listen to has like dropped off a cliff mm. But yeah, this was so much fun. I love the generated suggestions from your fans and your previous guests. I think that's uh, like that made it so much fun. I never would have gone in the direction we went without those tables. And I love how I love what we ended up with.
0: Awesome. And so as we're here in the final moments, is there anything you got to plug? Do you, you want people finding you online and that kind of stuff? Lay it on us here and now.
1: I don't really have anything to plug. Uh, maybe if you're in the uh, if you're in the New Jersey area and you like live music, you know, come see me. I run uh, I run sound at a, a place called uh, Pino's Lounge in Highland Park, New Jersey, every fr- uh, Friday and Saturday night. Uh, I run sound for some great original music. I'm probably going to be performing the soundtrack to Scott Pilgrim versus the world again at some point.
0: There we go. Yeah. We'll get some links to that. We'll drop it in the the show notes. We'll make sure to retweet it and all that good stuff. So Max, thank you so much for coming back on the show and uh, maybe, maybe it won't be another three years, but we'll have you back on making even more NPCs.
1: Looking forward to it. Thank you for
0: listening to this episode of sidekicks and side quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicksandsidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychoists is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four. Oh.
1: psychics and psychos.